Hello and welcome to Everything is Black and White Podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by Lee Ryder and Mark Douglas will appear later on in the show. It's a special podcast given that Mike Ashley has given an interview. That's a rare occurrence. But as always with Mike Ashley, when he does speak to the media, it's in a very explosive and uh, provokes a lot of debate across all social media channels and everywhere you read it and see it. And this one is no different. It's a very long interview, it's a long-winded reads, a bit more like a press release than um, an article, really. But it is what it is, and it's it's been very interesting to delve into it. And that's exactly what Lee Ryder spent last night and the early hours of this morning doing before he travelled down to Preston. Lee, um, your initial reaction to that Mike Ashley interview? Yeah, well, I think he's been building up to it for a while. Uh, you know, I'd heard heard little sort of rumours that, you know, he was wanting to get his side of the story across, A, about Rafa and B, about the takeover. Uh, who he was going to do it with was always going to be the question mark, but I think he's obviously gone with, you know, a London-based journalist. He's gone for safety um, in terms of, you know, while Martin Samuel is an excellent journalist, you know, the local press would probably have had a few more follow-up questions to push his way. Um, there's so much that needs to still be said, I think, um, in an interview like that. While it was a really good, engaging overall piece from a journalist's point of view, uh, I think there's more questions to be asked. Unfortunately, at Newcastle, um, you knock on doors, hoping that they'll open, but invariably they get closed. So Newcastle, really, in terms of communication, you know, haven't always put Mike Ashley forward. They certainly haven't done it for the local press. Lee Charnley rarely speaks to the media. Um, and, you know, Mike, I, I don't know. How how do you read it? Is Mike Ashley almost um, slamming his own PR team, saying it gives him one out of five? I don't know. There were some bizarre things in there that you would like to just say, well, what do you mean by that, Mike? You know? Well, so, I mean, we'll start with Rafa Benitez because some of the claims there are perhaps the most interesting ones. Talk of an eight-year contract being muted. Talk of... Twenty million pounds for the training grounds. It's they're strong claims, from your understanding. Where what do you understand about the talks that happened between Ashley and Benitez, and is that what Ashley said there? Is that something that you've you'd heard and kind of understood what went on? Well, again, it's one of them. Without being in the room with Mike Ashley, you know, you, you would the first thing you would ask is, you know, you released a bungled press release in twenty thirteen saying there'll be a new complex ready by 2016. It's now 2019, and it looks like there's been a lick of paint around the, <laughs> around the training ground. So you can only judge it on the facts. Um, Rafa Benitez come out and said himself, didn't he, that he had plenty of ideas to develop things. I mean, I do know there has been some work at the academy um, where a few walls have been knocked down and things have been changed around and it's it's actually quite a nice building anyway that one down at the academy because it's, it, it's also quite new but Newcastle's training ground for me you go to other clubs and you know you've got Wi-Fi in the press rooms um, you know there's a proper auditorium where you do it but Newcastle's press room at the moment it doubles up as a sort of um, activity room for families when the kids are at the academy. So, you know, Newcastle's training ground is in desperate need of, of sort of modernisation and um, 
it's interesting to, to know about this £20 million that he's talking about putting aside. What are those plans and when when will we see them? So I suppose that would be the question, wouldn't it? That even though Benitez is gone, is that £20 million still going to be spent on improving the training ground, which it most certainly does need to be improved? Yeah, I mean, I think it was Joe Kinnear's name that was on the on the last press release. Um, and so much gets said at Newcastle and not often everything gets done. And it's always, always seems to be like when it's like too late. So Rafa's gone now. Um, he's not coming back. And, you know, you know now they pull out the stops and, and sign Joe Linton and almost suggesting that had Rafa stayed, he would have got Joe Linton plus a lot more. But I don't think he's seen, seen the signs from that. It's going to be interesting if Rafa responds. Um, very political, very measured character. Will he come out immediately and, and respond to that? Um, I'm not 100% sure he will. He's got a job in, at the moment in China. So it'll be interesting to see what, what claims follow this. Um, but really, from a sort of local newspaper point of view, from a northeast journalist point of view, no, I, I do not think that anyone's going to get a chance to to um, come up with these follow-up questions that, that needed to be asked. Most certainly. Because, I mean, it, it, just reading back through it here, you've got Mike Ashley claiming that Benitez made it impossible to uh, to keep him in Newcastle United, asked for a 50% pay increase. The, the suggestion there is that Ash did that because he knew he wasn't going to be signing. And then Ashley goes on to say, um, my view was always we had to keep Rafa for my own personal safety. We had to keep Rafa... I thought he had us offside, he had us cornered, it wasn't fair, it wasn't right. I've been totally outmaneuvered. I probably shouldn't own a football club. It's ridiculous, but I'm a big boy. I mean, just in that alone, it's just it's just fascinating, isn't it? It's, it's a strange one because he's saying all that, but then let's take the clock back to June 2018. Newcastle have just finished 10th. The city is bouncing again they've just been promoted they've finished 10th they're ready to kick on Newcastle United um, have an opportunity then to give Rafa a new contract and they didn't do it so he's saying it was impossible for him to keep him it was possible because Rafa gave a list of demands or requests in 2018 and he didn't get any of them back so it's not really about what's happened in the last few months for me the the game had already moved on from then. Um, it's about what happened or what didn't happen in June, July 2018 when when they had him round the table, when they finished 10th, when the city was in a good state, when people were in a good mood, when people were happy. And now, um, they're kind of like, it's another clean-up operation. More certainly. And we'll go on just a bit more on to Rafa. Um, had we agreed to that, I think it would have been something else. And everything we lost, and I think we lost, everyone thinks we lost him because we wouldn't pay a couple more quid. He had the microphone and we didn't. I suppose the argument there would be that no good manager stands still. They always want to improve. So you can't resent Rafa Benitez, a man of his quality, for wanting to push the club as, as far as it can go. Well, the microphone... The microphone comment is quite interesting because Rafa had the microphone. No, you're the owner of a football club. You can speak whenever you want. You can go to whoever you want, just like you've gone to the Daily Mail. 
and you can speak to whoever you want, whenever you want. And that is the Tom Bomb of it. So he had the microphone as well if he wanted it. He had the chance to come out and, you know, share his, what he may say is ambition, what others may not say is ambition. But he had a chance to speak. He's been asked, honestly, I, I, in the last 12 years, I would say at least at least six or seven attempts have been made by me personally to to get Mike Ashley to talk, to get people like Lee Charnley to talk. And it's usually met with the, the same answer. It's met with, can't do it at this time, maybe in the future, or it just gets ignored completely. So there you go. It's People are saying to me on Twitter, oh, you, sh- you should follow this all up. Well, hold on a minute. We do follow it up. We do ask the questions. And as I've said before, doors don't open, doors get closed. Exactly. I think at the moment it's just an, it's an open invite, isn't it? And that's kind of a sign of where we're at because we've asked so many times and it's, it is just an open invite. Um, moving on to the takeover, we know at the moment everything's quiet. The Binzai group have, have kind of gone off the radar a little bit and it's interesting to see what Ashley says. I mean, first of all, um, he, could own the, he could own Newcastle United forever. Um, which isn't exactly what Newcastle United fans want to hear. Well, Newcastle fans have made the feelings of my, about my actually very clear. Um, you know, it wasn't, I think it was only about three or four weeks ago, I got asked a direct question off, off one fan on, on Twitter or a couple of fans asked me the same question, where are we at with this, um, you know, bid from the Middle East? Um, and I said, well, quite frankly, there hasn't been a bid. And unfortunately, um, I've been proved right on that because Mike Ashley said himself that he hasn't received an offer. So whether this group don't have the money and now they don't want to say, we don't know. It's up to them. They, they've been asked as well. You know, I put a direct question to the group, the same group that sent the two statements that we published and we offered the platform for them to come out and say. Um, and I went back to them and I asked them, can you come out and give us an update on, on where we are with this? And then the next thing on Twitter, you see, I don't know, was was it DJ or something, wasn't it? Over yeah, in the Middle East. Yeah. A, a DJ is saying that he'd been told by some bloke who knows someone else that there has been a bid. Well, look, there hasn't been. He's just come out and said all that now. At least he's come out now and backed that up. Um, and he's come out and he's put that to bed. But why didn't he put it to bed earlier? Why did this all? Why was this all allowed to chug along? I'm not saying right at the start because obviously he would have had to examine how genuine these people were. But in the last three or four weeks, he could have come out and you know put people out of the misery almost. So there you go. It's it's never dull with Newcastle United, and now we kind of have to limp on to a to another manager, another head coach, um, who's now got to test the resolve of Mike Ashley. It always starts off all right, doesn't it? It always starts off quite jovial between manager and owner Uh, Steve McLaren had that but then it quickly unravels when things start going wrong when injuries start cutting into squads when there's gaps in the squad and the head coach or the manager comes out and says can we fill the gaps with this player and the answer is no because he costs too much then that's where we are so it's going to be interesting how it unravels I just wish Steve Bruce all the best he's a local guy Let's give him a fair crack of the whip, but at the end of the day, I think he's going to have problems. Indeed, yeah. I mean, I'm just carrying on with a bit more from the takeover, um, and I suppose this is kind of what we've always said all along. Really, we, 
I think most journalists have maintained this line that my Ash says here. Um, the day someone buys Newcastle United, they'll do their due diligence and it'll it'll be finished. It will happen like Manchester City. By the time the media find out, it's already complete. And I guess well, that is... I mean, do you, would you agree with that statement? Well, he's stating the obvious in a lot of ways. And, and he is right what he's saying because, yes, it does happen, bang. But what the difference between, between the Man City thing and the Middle East takeover story is that this takeover group released two big statements to the mainstream media they contacted us directly and you know we're well within our rights to publish that but the things he is right in terms of if you've got the money if you're if you mean business you'll go bang there's a deal done and you'll you'll hire a big proper pr company who'll come out and they'll deal with the press that's what man city has done you go Man City, you go in the press room there, and it's night and day compared to Newcastle. Yes, they've got the money, but they've also got, a, it seems like they've got some kind of PR plan. And um, you go out of there and you just go, wow, that's left a lasting impression. So, you know, Newcastle's a club that's just, it's crying out for someone to come in and really, you know, show the tail and say it deserves. But we have to wait and see what happens now. Um, looks like Mike Ashley's obviously here to stay for the, for the short term at least Steve Bruce on a three year contract got to get on with the season otherwise you end up getting relegated we hope you've enjoyed this episode so far just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review our podcast through iTunes Spotify or whichever podcast provider you listen through most certainly and then we'll, we'll finish with um, kind of Mike Ashley's admittance that at least in his eyes and many, many Newcastle United fans, if not many, many journalists as well, that he's a negative for Newcastle. So Ashley says, um, I give myself one out of five in some aspects because I've made proper mistakes and football isn't a very forgiving place. I didn't just shoot myself in the foot. I blew my own leg off. Uh, I mean, again, statently obvious. And I suppose the real kind of anger from Newcastle United fans is that we've we've heard this before. He's admitted he's made mistakes before and yet the same mistakes keep getting made again and again. Yeah, I mean some of the stuff a lot of the stuff he said is very similar to what was said on Sky Sports um a couple of years ago, a couple of summers ago. A lot of that's been said before. There's there's a few similar themes. If you look through all the stuff, as fascinating as it was, some of it has been said before. But the new stuff on Rafa, the new stuff on the money, um, and then the the self-critical part of it, you know, it's it's an interesting one. But the big question should remain, you know, will he ever come and sit around the table with North East journalists and let them fire the questions in? Because I think you might see a different interview if that was the case. Well, certainly. And just finally from you, Lee, what do you make of the timing of the statements? Interesting. On a day where it wasn't good for Sports Direct, you know, suddenly this, this interview appeared and everyone was talking about Newcastle United, everyone was talking about Rafa Benitez, and nobody's talking about Sports Direct anymore. So, interesting, but it may well be a coincidence. But again, going back to the whole thing, unless you get in a room with Mike Ashley, unless you can sit there and ask questions. And I've said it before on the podcast, haven't I, that, you know, we'd all love to get in a room with Mike Ashley and really ask him the questions that um, should be answered. 
but unfortunately, as I say, those doors just keep getting closed. Well, certainly, I say open invite there for either Lee Charlie or Mike Ashes to join us on the podcast or at least face to face with Lee. Now we're going to go and find Mark to analyse the rest of that statement. Um, so in the meantime, thank you very much, Lee. Yep, thanks very much, and I'll speak to you after the game, I'm sure. And we've finally caught up with Mark Douglas, who's uh, down at Preston with Lee. Mark, um, you had a bit of a late night last night once that interview broke. Your initial reaction to what Mike actually said? Um, well, I think extraordinary was the first word that came to mind. Um, it was a, a very candid interview, probably the first time he's, he's done anything uh, in the written press there was anything like that. First time he's done anything on Newcastle United like that that I've seen. Um, a lot of kind of, you know, I think he was trying to inject quite a lot of emotion into it. Um, riddled with inconsistencies. I think, you know, that's fair to say. A lot of things in there that probably weren't challenged because, you know, obviously I think the person who did the interview is not a you know, Newcastle United specialist, but obviously great scoop, absolutely great scoop for for him to, to, to be able to sit down with them. But having said that, you know, there were a lot of questions I think the Newcastle United fans have that uh, maybe weren't answered in that because I think it was done for a national audience. I don't think it was done necessarily to try and convince Newcastle United fans um, that he's, that he's um, you know, that he's a changed man. I think, uh, although I'm sure he would have been hoping to, to, to say that. Um, I, I think overall, I think just... You know, frustrating, really. I think really frustrating that, that, it's, uh, that it's not come sooner, really frustrating... Um, that, you know, wasn't, you know, it maybe didn't engage a little bit more. I mean, obviously, I would have loved to have sat down with him. I would have loved to ask some of the questions, you know, if he's going to start talking about being enthused again for Newcastle United. You kind of, you know, just utterly frustrating that we've got to this point 12 years in where, um, you know, suddenly he's done his first interview talking about all the great things that Newcastle United can be, but it just doesn't marry up with what we've actually experienced in the last 12 years. Now, looking at some of the statements, uh, Lee Ryder has already cut half of it. We saved some points for you. We'll start with the transfer business. Now, Ashley said, I hope we're not finished at Joe Linton. So that implies that he's open more is to come without him actually making any promises that there will be. I think there will be more to come. I think, you know, he's... What was, what's interesting, you know, we talked about the inconsistencies. I think he was in the High Court not long ago saying that, you know, I'm the last person to know that Newcastle United do any business. But then, um, you know, he's, he's very enthusiastic about Joe Linton. Makes it sound as if he was very much, you know, across that deal from the start. Like he was very hands-on and involved. So, you know, which is it, Mike? Are you involved or not? I think sometimes that is a big part of the problem with Newcastle. People aren't sure... You know how, how enthusiastic he is, and and I think he always has the final say uh, on things. You know, despite the fact he says he doesn't, um, they will sign players. I, I, you know, I know that he's he sort of said hopefully he won't be the last to come. I think probably that is just because it, you know he doesn't. He probably he probably doesn't want to want to say we're going to sign five or six because that's not how these things are done. But they, they will sign more players. I'm not. I'm, I'm really not uh, really not concerned about that. Um, I think it won't be loads, but it could be another two or three uh, minimum. Um, I would think. What did you make of his claims that he offered to uh, not only sign Joe Linton but pay half of the fee out of his own pocket? I mean, that was to me the biggest. Well, there's two really big things that I didn't really. I, I just 
had me scratching my head that one the first one because we sat down with the managing director not long ago and and he was very much of the opinion look we we repaid that 30 million that we owed mike ashley as soon as we could because our model is that we don't rely on owner handouts we don't want to get down that route and he doesn't want to do it either yet you've then got him claiming in the in the um in the, the, this interview that he that he offered to put his hand in his pocket and put 23 million in towards john Hinton. Uh, you know and and that opens another kind of worms of saying, well, why didn't you say I'll put 23 million in to sign Salomon Rondon because he was the player that the manager wanted? I understand that they say that that's a, that was a really bad deal, but it's it just to me it just jars a little bit with with with, with what we kind of know about Mark Ashley and you know he there has been every penny spent and not a penny more was was what we were told and then. He's why is he so enthused about Jalinton? What is the the big thing about him? You know, has he seen him play a lot? I mean, it, that was that was bizarre to me. But if he's going to start putting money, his own money in, absolutely fantastic. Twenty million, thirty million here, here and there. But I wouldn't be holding my breath. Let's put it that way. It feels to me as if that was just, I don't know. It, it was almost dropped in there to make to make Benitez look um, look a little bit um, a, a little bit difficult to work with. Elsewhere, Sean Longstaff obviously attracting interest of Manchester United. They have inquired so far Newcastle. Um, I don't think have been tested by a bid. And Mike Ashley said the message we want to put out is that he is not for sale. If you've got one like Sean, keep him. Strong enough. For well, there you go. That, well, that that's, that that to me then is the you know they they you know I know a lot of people saying they said this about Andy Carroll and they did. Um, they do the same with Sean Longstaff. Having said. You know, manager and owner now that he's not going anywhere um you know the credibility will take another another big hit because you can't come out and say that and then sell him so they've kind of made that very much now a uh, a cast iron guarantee um and and we'll see won't we i think they must think that man united aren't going to come close to their valuation so that's why they're sort of saying that as well but but you know extraordinary really that we're talking about Sean Longstaff in, in these in these terms but um, you know a lot of pressure on his shoulders now but I, I'm going to take him at face value on that one and say that that one's not going to happen because I just can't see how you could how you could say that and then he ends up and then he ends up selling him you know it, it finished basically I know they've done things before like that but you know God surely not and just a couple more points then we'll look at the bit about the accounts and he says you know I feel like challenging the fans on that sometimes. I'll pay and you can have an independent auditor come in and review us. But will you please it. stop saying these things? I'm guilty of we'll a lot, but not that. Yeah, I, I think I think this, this is what this, if you're saying it, do it then. You know, well, let the NUST get get in and, and explore the accounts and answer some of these questions. Um, my personal feeling now is now he's opened the, the, the door and, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that I think is frustrated fans i think some others you know obviously there's a very 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 vocal um group of people who, who want my cashly out and i don't think it's going to change their feeling you know i still feel that he's not right for this football club and you know they're not going to succeed with while he's here um but you know prove me wrong if, if, if they if they end up you know if he ends up starting to put his money in his pocket and getting you know, bringing players in then fantastic but we've been here before we've heard it all before about wanting to win cups and you know, doing this and doing that, and uh, and it doesn't it doesn't end up happening. But with this thing of the independent auditor, well, do it. You know, that would be a fantastic way to start building trust. Meet the NUST, come and speak to the Chronicle, answer our reader questions. That's what we've always said to the club. We'd like to do is take our reader questions, 30, 40 reader questions, put them to the club. Um, and so far, you know, they haven't haven't wanted to do that. That's 
it's fair enough. That's their that's their thing. But if Mike Ashley is starting to talk and wanting to engage, there you go. There's the first thing you can do. And we have offered them that. And just finally, his words on how to compete. The overriding reality is that I am just not wealthy enough to own Newcastle. I genuinely believe you need 1 billion. People say 500 million, but I'd bet anyone that these days you can't do it for that. Not to compete at the very top level. Now, doesn't that just strike that he's a bit out of touch of the expectation of Newcastle United fans? Because no one's talking about battling right at the top. They just want to be more than, you know, looking for survival in, in, in the top yeah. line. Yeah, there's that. There's definitely that. And there's also the idea that, you know, that it's just money that's that's gonna get that's gonna get you there. I mean, you know, look, excellence comes in other ways. Watford have found a way of competing that's di- that different from just throwing money at it. Um, you know, other teams have done it as well. I know Wolves have obviously fast tracked the success with, with money, but if you put the right people in the right positions at a football club and spend money on infrastructure, training ground, the academy, things like that, and build the foundations of a football club, then you can have that sustainable success. The point is that he hasn't done that. He hasn't brought in those people. You know, they don't have, you know, a, a huge football, um, a huge football kind of hierarchy. They don't, you know, they've got one MD and nobody else on the board, really. And, and, and all these things are, you know, cost money. They cost uh, time. They have to they mean you have to delegate some some responsibility to people who, you know, you maybe don't know or you have to you have to trust. And he hasn't done any of that. And he, he's basically saying you need to spend a billion pounds on transfers to get yourself above man city yeah maybe maybe you do maybe you did need to spend a lot of money on that but it's not about that if the court you've seen everybody has seen that rafa benitez was given you know a hero's reception at newcastle united because they felt that he was doing all of the things he possibly could to get newcastle competitive the reason that nobody trusts mike ashley is because they feel he's done the opposite um, and I think he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand football. I think he admits that himself. He doesn't understand football. So let people who do run the football club. Um, and, you know, we will see when we believe in the proof is in the pudding. I, I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us are very cynical about everything that's been said. Um, I applaud him for, for talking. I wish he'd done it in a different way. Um, but, it, but you know, it's, some of the things that he said would be exciting if they, if they come off. But, you know, uh, I'll retain my right to be sceptical because we've been here before. But, um, but you know, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's a new era, isn't it, at Newcastle with Steve Bruce? And a lot of people are feeling very underwhelmed by it. Um, you know, Mike Ashley is portraying it as, a you know, we could do something, we've got somebody there. Well, let's see it. If you don't hamstring him, if you don't cut his you know, legs out from under him, as other managers have felt has happened, then you know maybe he will have a modicum of success and maybe he will be able to move things forward. But it's up to Ashley to actually do it now. And, and I'm sorry, but on the basis of the last 12 years, I will believe it when I see it. There you are. There's Mark Douglas' take on that Mike Ashley interview. That's the end of this episode. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs>